The Serpent Shadow, Chapter 9, Zia Breaks Up a Lava Fight. I'd become quite an expert at visiting the godly nursing home, which was a sad statement on my life. The first time Carter and I found our way there, we had traveled the river of night, plunging down a fiery waterfall and almost died in a lake of lava. Since then, I discovered I could simply call on Isis to transport me as she could open doorways to many locations in the Duat. Honestly though, dealing with Isis was almost as annoying as swimming through fire. After my Shopti conversation with Carter, I joined Zia on a limestone cliff overlooking the Nile. It was already midday in Egypt. Getting over portal lag had taken me longer than I expected. After changing into more sensible clothes, I'd had a quick lunch in one more strategy talk with Amos deep in the Hall of Ages. Then Zia and I had climbed back to the surface. Now we stood at a ruined shrine of Isis on the river, just south of Cairo. It was a good place to summon the goddess, but we didn't have much time. Zia still wore her combat outfit, camouflage cargo pants and an olive tank top. Her staff was slung over her back and her wand clung at her belt. She rummaged through her pack, checking her supplies one last time. What did Carter say? She asked. That's right, brother dear. I stepped out of earshot before I contacted you so Zia didn't hear any of those teasing comments. Honestly, I'm not that mean. I told her what we'd discussed, but I couldn't bring myself to share how Mum's spirit was in danger. I'd known about the problem in general terms, since I'd spoken with Anubis, of course. But the knowledge that our mother's ghost was huddled under a cliff somewhere in the Duat, resisting the pull of the serpent shadow, well, that bit of information had lodged in my chest like a bullet. If I tried to touch it, I feared it would go straight to my heart and kill me. I explained about my villainous ghost friend, Uncle Vinny, and how we intended to solicit his help. Zia looked appalled. Setney, as in the Setney. Does Carter realize? Yep. And Thoth suggested this? Yep. And you're actually going along with it? Yep. She gazed down the Nile. Perhaps she was thinking of her home village which had stood on the banks of this river until it was destroyed by the forces of Apophis. Perhaps she was imagining her entire homeland crumbling into the sea of chaos. I expected her to tell me that her plan was insane. I thought she might abandon me and go back to the first gnome. But I suppose she has gotten used to the Cain family. Poor girl. She must have known by now that all our plans were insane fine, she said. How do we reach this nursing home of the gods? Just a moment. I closed my eyes and concentrated. Yoo-hoo! Isis? I thought. Anyone home? Sadie. The goddess answered immediately. In my mind, she appeared as a regal woman with dark braided hair. Her dress was gossamer white. Her prismatic wings shimmered like sunlight rippling through clear water. I wanted to smack her. Well, well, I said. 
if it isn't my good friend who decides whom I can and can't date. She had the nerve to look surprised. Are you speaking of Anubis? Right, first try. I should have left it at that since I needed Isis's help. But seeing her floating there all shiny and queenly made me angrier than ever. Where do you get the nerve, huh? Going behind my back, lobbying to keep Anubis away from me? How is that your business? Surprisingly, Isis kept her temper. Sadie, there are things you don't understand. There are rules. Rules? I demanded. The world is about to end, and you're worried about which boys are socially acceptable for me? Isis steepled her fingers. The two issues are more connected than you realize. The traditions of Mott must be followed, or chaos wins. Immortals and mortals can only interact in specific, limited ways. Besides, you cannot afford to be distracted. I'm doing you a favor. A favor, I said. If you want to do me a real favor, we need passage to the fourth house of the night. The house of rest, sunny acres, or whatever you want to call it. After that, you can butt out of my private life. Perhaps it was rude of me, but Isis had stepped over the line. Besides, why should I act proper with a goddess who had previously rented space in my head? Isis, Isis should have known me better. The goddess sighed. Sadie... Proximity to the gods is dangerous. It must be regulated with utmost care. You know this. Your uncle is still tainted from his experience with Seth. Even your friend Zia is struggling. What do you mean? I asked. If you join with me, you'll understand, Isis promised. Your mind will be clear. It's past time we united again and combined our strength. There it was, the sales pitch. Every time I called on Isis, she'd try to persuade me to meld with her as we'd done before. Mortal and God inhabiting one body, acting with a single will. Each time, I said no. So, I ventured, proximity to the gods is dangerous, but you're anxious to join forces with me again. I'm glad you're looking out for my safety. Isis narrowed her eyes. Our situation is different, Sadie. You need my strength. Certainly it was tempting. Having the full power of a goddess at my command was quite a rush. As the eye of Isis, I would get addicted to such power. And that was the problem. Isis could be a good friend, but... Her agenda wasn't always the best for the mortal world, or for Sadie Kane. She was driven by her loyalty to her son Horus. She'd do anything to see him on the throne of the gods. She was ambitious, vengeful, power-hungry, and envious of anyone who might have more magic than she did. She claimed my mind would be clearer if I let her in. It would be harder to separate my thoughts from hers. I might even come to believe she was right by keeping Anubis and me apart. 
horrifying idea. Unfortunately, Isis had a point about joining forces. Sooner or later, we'd have to. There was no other way I'd have the power to challenge Apophis. But now wasn't the time. I wanted to remain Sadie Kane as long as possible. Just my own wonderful self without any godly hitchhiker. Soon, I told Isis, I have things to do first. I need to be sure my decisions are my own. Now, about that doorway to the House of Rest. Isis was quite good at looking hurt and disapproving at the same time, which must have made her an impossible mother. I almost felt sorry for horse. Sadie Kane, she said, you are my favorite mortal, my chosen magician, and still you do not trust me. I didn't bother to contradict her. Isis knew how I felt. The goddess spread her arms in resignation. Very well. But the path of the gods is the only answer. For all the Cains, and for that one. She nodded in Zia's direction. You will need to advise her, Sadie. She must learn the path quickly. What do you mean? I asked again. I really wish you would stop talking in riddles. Gods are so annoying that way. Zia was a much more experienced magician than I was. I didn't know how I could advise her. Besides, Zia was a fire elementalist. She tolerated us canes, but she had never shown the slightest interest in the path of the gods. Good luck, Isis said. I will await your call. The image of the goddess rippled and vanished. When I opened my eyes, a square of darkness the size of a doorway hovered in the air. Sadie? Zia asked. You were silent for so long. I was getting worried. No need. I tried for a smile. Isis just likes to talk. Next stop, the fourth house of the night. I'll be honest. I never quite understood the difference between the swirling sand portals that magicians can summon with artifacts and the doors of darkness that gods are able to conjure. Perhaps the gods have a more advanced wireless network. Perhaps they simply have better aim. Whatever the reason, Isis's portal worked much more reliably than the one I'd created to get to Cairo. It deposited us right in the lobby of Sunny Acres. As soon as we stepped through, Zia scanned our surroundings and frowned. Where is everyone? Good question. We'd arrived at the correct godly nursing home. The same potted plants, the same massive lobby with windows looking out on the lake of fire. The same rows of limestone columns plastered with tacky posters of smiling seniors and mottos like, These are your golden centuries. But the nurse's station was unattended. Ivy poles were cluttered in one corner like they were having a conference. The sofas were empty. The coffee tables were littered with half-played games of checkers and senate. Ugh, I hate senate. I stared at an empty wheelchair, wondering where its occupant had gone. 
when suddenly the chair burst into flames, collapsing in a pile of charred leather and half-melted steel. I stumbled backward. Behind me, Zia held the ball of white-hot fire in her hand. Her eyes were as wild as a cornered animal's. Are you mad? I yelled. What are you... She lobbed her second fireball at the nurse's station. A vase full of daisies exploded in a shower of flaming petals and pottery shards. Zia! She didn't seem to hear me. She summoned another fireball and took aim at the sofas. I should have run for cover. I wasn't prepared to die saving badly upholstered furniture. Instead, I lunged at her and grabbed her wrist. Zia, stop it! She glared at me with flames in her eyes. And I mean that quite literally. Her irises had become discs of orange fire. This was terrifying, of course, but I stood my ground. Over the past year, I'd gotten rather used to surprises. What with my cat being a goddess, my brother turning into a falcon, and Felix producing penguins in the fireplace several times a week. Zia! I said firmly. We can't burn down the nursing home. What's got into you? A look of confusion passed over her face. She stopped struggling. Her eyes returned to normal. She stared at the melted wheelchair, then the smoldering remains of the bouquet on the carpet. Did I decide those daisies needed to die? I finished. Yes, you did. She extinguished her fireball, which was lucky, as it was starting to bake my face. I'm sorry, she muttered. I I thought I had it under control. Under control? I let go of her hand. You mean to say you've been throwing a lot of random fireballs lately? She still looked bewildered, her gaze drifting around the lobby. No? Maybe... I've been having blackouts. I come to and I don't remember what I've done. Like just now? She nodded. Amos said, At first he thought it might be a side effect of my time in that tomb. Ah, the tomb. For months, Zia had been trapped in a watery sarcophagus while her shopti ran around impersonating her. The chief lector Iskander had thought this would protect the real Zia. From Seth? From Apophis? I still weren't sure. At any rate, it didn't strike me as the most brilliant idea for a supposedly wise 2,000-year-old magician to have come up with. During her slumbers, Zia had endured horrible nightmares about her village burning and Apophis destroying the world. I suppose that might lead to some nasty post-traumatic stress. You said Amos thought that at first, I noted. There's more to the story, then. Zia gazed at the melted wheelchair. The light from outside turned her hair the color of rusted iron. He was here, she murmured. He was here for eons, trapped. It took a moment to process that. You mean Ra? He was miserable and alone, she said. 
he had been forced to abdicate his throne. He left the mortal world and lost the will to live. I stamped out a smoldering daisy on the carpet. I don't know, Zia. He looked quite happy when we woke him up, singing and grinning and so on. No. Zia walked toward the windows as if drawn by the lovely view of brimstone. His mind is still sleeping. I've spent time with him, Sadie. I've watched his expressions that when he naps. I've heard him whimpering and mumbling. That old body is a cage, a prison. The true Ra is trapped inside. She was starting to worry me now. Fireballs I could deal with. Incoherent rambling, not so much. I suppose it makes sense you'd have sympathy with Ra, I ventured. You're a fire elementalist. He's a fiery sort of god. You were trapped in that tomb. Ra was trapped in a nursing home. Perhaps that's what caused your blackout just now. This place reminds you of your own imprisonment. That's right. Sadie Kane, junior psychologist. And why not? I'd spent enough time diagnosing my crazed mates Liz and Emma back in London. Zia stared out at the burning lake. I had the feeling that my attempt at therapy might not have been so therapeutic. Amos tried to help me, she said. He knows what I'm going through. He cast a spell on me to focus my mind, but... She shook her head. It's been getting worse. This is the first day in weeks that I haven't taken care of Ra, and the more time I spend with him, the fuzzier my thoughts get. When I summon fire now, I have trouble controlling it. Even simple spells I've done for years. I channel too much power. If that happens during a blackout... I understood why she sounded frightened. Magicians have to be careful with spells. If we channel too much power, we might inadvertently exhaust our reserves. Then the spell would tap directly into the magician's life force with unpleasant consequences. You will need to advise her, Isis had told me. She must learn the path quickly. An uncomfortable thought began to form. I remembered Ra's delight when he had first met Zia, the way he'd tried to give her his last remaining scarab beetle. He'd babbled on and on about zebras, possibly meaning Zia. And now Zia was starting to empathize with the old god, even trying to burn down the nursing home where he'd been trapped for so long. That couldn't be good. But how could I advise her when I had no idea what was happening? Isis's warning rattled around in my head. The path of the gods was the answers for all the canes. Zia was struggling. Amos was still tainted by his time with Seth. Zia? I hesitated. You and Amos know you're... You said Amos knows what you're going through. Is that why he asked Bass to watch Ra today? To give you time away from the sun god? I... I suppose? I tried to steady my breathing. Then the harder question. 
in the war room. Amos said he might have to use other means to fight his enemies. He hasn't, uh, he hasn't been having trouble with Seth. Zia wouldn't meet my eyes. Sadie, I promised him. Oh, gods of Egypt, he's calling on Seth? Trying to channel his power after all Seth did to him? Please, no. She didn't answer, which was an answer in itself. He'll be overwhelmed, I cried. If the rebel magicians find out that the chief lector is meddling with the god of evil, just as they suspected. Seth isn't just the god of evil, Zia reminded me. He is Ra's lieutenant. He defended the sun god against Apophis. You think that makes it all better? I shook my head in disbelief. And now Amos thinks you're having trouble with Ra. Does he think Ra is trying to... I pointed to Zia's head. Sadie, please. Her voice trailed off in misery. I suppose it wasn't fair for me to press her. She seemed even more confused than I was. Still, I hated the idea of Zia being disoriented so close to our final battle. Blacking out, throwing random fireballs, losing control of her own power. Even worse was the possibility that Amos had some sort of link with Seth. That he might have actually chosen to let that horrible god back into his head. The thought tied my guts into tiets, Isis knots. I imagined my old enemy, Michael Desjardins, scowling. Ne vouillez vous pas, Kane? This is what comes from the path of the gods. This is why the magic was forbidden. I kicked the melted remains of the wheelchair. One bent wheel squeaked and wobbled. We'll have to table that conversation, I decided. We're running out of time. Now, where have all the old folks gone? Zia pointed out the window. There, she said calmly. They're having a beach day. We made our way down to the black sand beach by the lake of fire. It wouldn't have been my top vacation spot, but elderly gods were lounging on deck chairs under brightly colored umbrellas. Others snored on beach towels or sat in their wheelchairs and stared at the boiling vista. One shriveled bird-headed goddess in a one-piece bathing suit was building a sand pyramid. Two old men, I assume they were fire gods, stood waist-deep in the blazing surf, splashing and laughing, splashing lava in each other's faces. Towerette, the caretaker, beamed when she saw us. Sadie, she called, you're early this week, and you brought a friend. Normally, I would have stood still, I wouldn't have stood still as an upright, grinning female hippo charged toward me for a hug, but I'd gotten used to Towerette. She traded her high heels for flip-flops. Otherwise, she was dressed in her usual white nurse's uniform. Her mascara and lipstick were tastefully done for a hippo. And her luxuriant black hair was pinned under a nurse's cap. Her ill-fitting blouse 
opened over an enormous belly, possibly a sign of permanent pregnancy, as she was the goddess of childbirth, or possibly a sign of eating too many cupcakes. I'd never been entirely sure. She embraced me without crushing me, which I greatly appreciated. Her lilac perfume reminded me of my gran, and the tinge of sulfur on her clothes reminded me of Gramps. Towerette, I said. This is Zia Rashid. Towerette's smile faded. Oh, oh, I see. I'd never seen the hippo goddess so uneasy. Did she somehow know that Zia had melted her wheelchair and torched her daisies? As the silence got awkward, Towerette recovered her smile. Sorry, yes, hello, Zia. It's just that you look... Well, never mind. Are you a friend of Bess's too? Uh, not really, Zia admitted. I mean, I suppose, but... We're here on a mission, I said. Things in the upper world have gotten a bit wonky. I told Towerette about the rebel magicians, Apophis's plan for attack, and our mad scheme to find the serpent's shadow and stomp it to death. Towerette mashed her hippoish hands together. Oh dear, doomsday tomorrow? Bingo night was supposed to be Friday, my poor darlings. We'll be so disappointed. She glanced down at the beach at her senile charges, some of whom were drooling in their sleep or eating black sand or trying to talk to the lava. Tower at side. I suppose it would be kinder not to tell them. They've been here for eons, forgotten by the mortal world. Now they have to perish along with everyone else. They don't deserve such a fate. I wanted to remind her that no one deserves such a fate. Not my friends, not my family, and certainly not a brilliant young woman named Sadie Kane who had her whole life ahead of her. But Towerette was so kind-hearted, I didn't want to sound selfish. She didn't seem concerned for herself at all, just the fading gods she cared for. We're not giving up yet, I promised. But this plan of yours... Towerette shuddered, causing a tsunami of jiggling hippo flesh. It's impossible. Like reviving the sun god? I asked. She conceded that with a shrug. Very well, dear. I'll admit you've done the impossible before. Nevertheless, she glanced at Zia, as if my friend's presence still made her nervous. Well, I'm sure you know what you're doing. How can I help? May we see Bess? I asked. Of course. But I'm afraid he hasn't changed. She led us down the beach. The past few months I'd visited Bess at least once a week, so I knew many of the elderly gods by sight. I spotted Heket, the frog goddess, perched atop a beach umbrella as if it were a lily pad. Her tongue shot out to catch something from the air. Did they have flies in the duat? Further on, I saw the goose god, Genganwir, whose name, I kid you not, meant the great honker. The first time Towerette told me that, I almost spewed tea. His supreme honkiness was waddling along the beach, 
squawking at the other gods and startling them out of their sleep. Yet every time I visited, the crowd changed. Some gods disappeared, others popped up, gods of cities that no longer existed, gods who had only been worshipped for a few centuries before being replaced by others, gods so old they'd forgotten their own names. Most civilizations left behind pottery shards of or monuments or literature. Egypt was so old it hadn't left behind a land it had left a behind a landfill's worth of deities. Halfway down the beach we passed two old crocs who had been playing in the lava. Now they were wrestling, waist deep in the lake. One pummeled the other with an unk and warbled, It's my pudding. My pudding. Oh dear, Taurat said. Fire Embracer and Hotfoot are at it again. I choked back a laugh. Hotfoot. What sort of godly name is that? Taurat studied the fiery surf as of looking for a way to navigate through it without getting incinerated. They're gods from the Hall of Judgment, dear. Poor things. There used to be 42 of them, each in charge of judging a different crime. Even in the old days, we could never keep them all straight. Now, she shrugged, they're quite forgotten, sadly. Fire Embracer, the one with the Ankh, he used to be the god of robberies. I'm afraid it made him paranoid. He always thinks Hotfoot has stolen his pudding. I'll have to break up the fight. Let me, Zia said. Tower stiffened. You, my dear? I got the feeling she was going to say something other than dear. The fire won't bother me, Zia assured her. You two go ahead. I wasn't sure how Zia could be so confident. Perhaps she simply preferred swimming in flames to seeing Bess in his present state. If so, I couldn't blame her. The experience was unsettling. Whatever the case, Zia strode toward the surf and waded straight in like a flame-retardant Baywatch lifeguard. Tawaret and I continued along the beach. We reached the dock where Ra's sunboat had anchored the first time Carter and I had visited this place. Bess sat at the end of the pier in a comfy leather chair, which Tawaret must have brought down especially for him. He wore a fresh red and blue Hawaiian shirt and khaki shorts. His face was thinner than it had been last spring, but otherwise he looked unchanged. The same scraggly nest of black hair the same bristly mane that passed for a beard. The same lovably grotesque face that reminded me of a pug dog's. But Bess's soul was gone. He stared vacantly at the lake, not reacting at all when I knelt down next to him and gripped his furry hand. I remember the first time he'd saved my life, picking me up in a limo full of rubbish driving me to Waterloo Bridge and scaring away two gods who had been chasing me. He had jumped out of the car wearing nothing but a Speedo and screamed, Boo! Yes, he'd been a true friend. Dear Bess, I said, 
we're going to try to help you. I told him everything that had happened since my last visit. I knew he couldn't hear me since his secret name had been stolen. His mind simply wasn't there. But talking to him made me feel better. Towerette sniffed. I know she had loved Bess forever, though Bess hadn't always returned her feelings. He couldn't have had a better caretaker. Oh, Sadie. The hippo goddess wiped away a tear. If you truly could help him, I'd do anything. But how is it possible? Shadows, I said. This bloke set me. He found a way to use shadows for an execration spell. If the shuet is a backup copy of the soul, and if Sutney's magic could be used in reverse, Towerette's eyes widen. You believe you could use Bess's shadow to bring him back? Yeah. I knew it sounded mad, but I had to believe. Saying it aloud to Towerette, who cared about Bess even more than I did, well... I simply couldn't let her down. Besides, if we could do this for Beth, Bess, then who knew? Perhaps we could use the same magic to get the sun god Ra back in fighting shape. First things first, however. I intended to keep my promise to the dwarf god. Here's the tricky bit, I said. I'm hoping you can help me locate Bess's shadow. I don't know much about gods and their shuits and whatnot. I understand that you often hide them? Towerette shifted nervously, her feet creaking on the pier boards. Um, yes. I'm hoping they're a bit like secret names, I forged on. Since I can't ask Bess where he keeps his shadow, I thought I'd ask the person who was closest to him. I thought you'd have the best chance of knowing. Seeing a hippo blush is quite odd. It almost made Towerette look delicate in a massive sort of way. I I saw his shadow once, she admitted. During one of our best moments together, we were sitting on the temple wall in Sais. Sorry? A city in the Nile Delta, Towerette explained. The home of a friend of ours, the hunting goddess Neith. She liked to invent invite Bess and me on our hunting excursions. We would, uh, flush her prey for her. I imagined Towerette and Bess, two gods with super ugly powers, plowing through the marshes, hand in hand, yelling boo, to scare up bevies of quail. I decided to keep that image to myself. At any rate, Towerette continued, one night after dinner, Bess and I were sitting alone on the walls of Neath's temple, watching the moon rise over the Nile. She gazed at the dwarf god with such adoring eyes. I couldn't help but imagine myself on that temple wall, sharing a romantic evening with Anubis. No. Walt. No. God, My life was horrid. I sighed unhappily. Go on, please. We talked about nothing in particular, Towerette remembered. We held hands, that was all, but felt so close to him. Just for a moment, I looked at the mud brick wall next to us, and I saw Bess's shadow in the torchlight. Normally, gods don't keep their shadows so close. He must have trusted me a great deal to reveal it. I asked him about it, and he laughed. He 
he said, This is a good place for my shadow. I think I'll leave it here. That way it can always be happy even when I'm not. The story was so sweet and sad, I could hardly bear it. Down the shore, the old god fire embracer shrieked something about pudding. Zia was standing in the surf, trying to keep the two gods apart as they splashed her with lava from both sides. Amazingly, it didn't seem to bother her. I turned to Tawaret. That night in Sais, how long ago was it? A few thousand years. My heart sank. Any chance this shadow would still be there? She shrugged helplessly. Sais was destroyed centuries ago. The temple is gone. Farmers pulled down the ancient buildings and used the mud brick for fertilizer. Most of the land has reverted to marshes. Blast. I'd never been a fan of Egyptian ruins. From time to time, I'd been tempted to pull down a few temples myself. But just this once, I wish the ruins had survived. I wanted to cuff those farmers. Then there's no hope, I asked. Oh, there's always hope, Towerat said. You could search the area, calling on Bessa's shadow. You're his friend. It might appear to you if it's still there. And if Neith is still in the area, she might be able to help. That is, if she doesn't hunt you instead. I decided not to dwell on that possibility. I had enough problems. We'll have to try. If we can find the shadow and puzzle out the proper spell... But Sadie, the goddess said, you have so little time. You have to stop Apophis. How can you help best too? I looked at the dwarf god. Then I bent down and kissed his bumpy forehead. I made a promise, I said. Besides, we'll need him if we're going to win. Did I really believe that? I knew best couldn't scare Apophis away simply by yelling, Boo! no matter how ghastly he looked in his speedo. In the sort of battle we were facing, I wasn't sure one more god would even make a difference. And I was even less sure that this reverse shadow idea could work on Ra. But I had to try with Bess. If the world ended the day after tomorrow, I would not go to my death without first knowing I'd done everything I could to save my friend. Of all the goddesses I'd met, Tauret was the most likely to understand my motives. She put her hands protectively on Bess's shoulder. In that case, Sadie Kane, I wish you luck. For Bess and for all of us. I left her on the deck, standing behind Bess as if the two gods were enjoying a romantic sunset together. On the beach, I rejoined Zia, who was brushing ashes out of her hair. Except for a few burn holes in her trousers, she looked perfectly fine. She gestured at Fire Embracer and Hotfoot, who were once again playing nice in the lava. They're not so bad, Zia said. They just needed some attention. Like pets, I said. Or my brother. Zia actually smiled. Did you find the information you need? I think so, I said. But first, we need to get to the Hall of Judgment. It's almost time for Setney's trial. How do we get there? Zia asked. Another doorway? 
I stared across the lake of fire, pondering that problem. I remember the Hall of Judgment being on an island somewhere on this lake, but Dua geography is a bit dodgy. For all I knew, the hall was a totally different level of the Duat, or the lake was six billion miles wide. I didn't fancy the idea of walking around the shore through unknown territory or taking a swim, and I certainly didn't feel like arguing with Isis again. Then I saw something across the fiery waves. The silhouette of a familiar steamboat approaching. Twin smokestacks, trailing luminous gold smoke and a paddle wheel churning through the lava. My brother, bless his heart, was absolutely mad. Problem solved, I told Zia. Carter will give us a ride. <laughs>